Hey everybody, and welcome back to what I'm going to call the uh, Shooting Time Podcast version 2.0. Uh, thank you to anyone who kept the podcast in your subscribe list on your phone or wherever you listen to them. I know it's been a long time. It's been almost two years. Um, I believe the last episode that we recorded was in September of 2018, so it's been a long time. Of course, a lot has happened in that time, and um, so I appreciate if you if you did stick it out, and if you were one of those who was requesting more episodes, I appreciate that as well. We were hoping really to get, we, we never had the intention of quitting, we were going to keep doing them, but man, once hunting season started, I just go kind of single single-minded into hunting season and once the mallards are here it's really hard for me to focus on anything else so i just did not make the time to continue going on that but um, i think that's something that we're gonna just do now is, is try to get episodes out fairly regularly um it might not be you know every Every week, it might be every two weeks, it might be every third week, sometimes it might be a month, and you know, every week for a month in a row, but um, we are going to work at um, keeping that a little more steady, even through hunting season. Um, I really wanted to do, and I'm, one of the things I'm still really looking forward to do is is the live live podcast from the duck boat, um, you know, where you, kind of like we did with the goose, the goose hunt a couple of years ago there, where you get to hear us calling and I'm talking in the blind and all that kind of stuff. I think that's fun. And I mean, I don't listen to my own podcasts, but I did actually listen to the live goose one and I actually enjoyed that one myself. So um, I think those will be something that'll be fun as well. And I'd like to do a few of those. <clears throat> so, you know, that's that was two years ago almost that we left off. Um, man, since then, it's been. It, it's been two for me up here. It's been two phenomenal duck seasons, um, two great turkey seasons, some great elk and deer hunting thrown in there to break things up. So I've had, I mean, I've been lucky, and I know a lot of you guys have not been blessed with what you would call stellar duck seasons these last two years. Um, but we had just enough weather to get birds to us and keep them around just long enough for us to eke out a really good season. Um, you know, we had to work, work for them sometimes. Sometimes it was easy, sometimes it wasn't. Um, but, man, I won't take those for granted because I know that even probably this coming year will be way different. But, yeah, I I can't ask for a better last two years than I've had. So it's been fun. Met a bunch of different people, hunted with some new guys, hunted some new places. So really enjoyed this kind of. Uh, time off from the podcast not that it was really laborious before or time consuming but since that since that ended i've had a very good last two years so i'm kind of looking forward to getting back into this and i'm glad um that those of you that commented through instagram or email or people that i ran into um at events or hunting or whatever that, that made mention of my podcast and said you hope it would come back i'm I'm glad you did that because it's one of the things that kind of kept me going. Um, I was kind of ready just to completely throw in the towel for a while, but um, you know, every time when you see those occasional comments asking when we're doing our next episode, 
that always makes a guy feel good. Um, so that helped. Um, one of the guys, well, actually both of the guys that are going to be my co-hosts going forward, um, both also helped um, really get this thing started again and kicked off. Um, my buddy Bill Bartz, who was a co-host for a bunch of the episodes um, that I did before, he was continually pushing, pushing, pushing. He wanted to do one, wanted to do one. And I had my stuff all boxed up, all my equipment, taking it to his house, um, took it to places where we were meeting or hunting together, and we just never really got it together to where we sat down and just did the podcast. So, you know, it's just it's easier not to do it than it is to do it, so that's what happened. Um, and then really the, the main thing that happened was um, my friend Ryan Graves, who's a duck hunter from Kentucky, call collector, um, originally from Southern Illinois, we've been friends for a long time or known each other for a long time, been friends. And he texted me just day. Well, he was, he was on the, one of the first podcasts that I did a couple of years ago there. He texted me a few weeks ago and, and asked when I was going to do the podcast again. Cause he said he doesn't, there's not many waterfall podcasts that he liked. So he wanted to, he knew he liked mine. So he wanted to have me get going again. I told him, wrote back, I said, well, I'll tell you what, uh, we will do that as long as you agree to be a co-host. And without hesitation, he said, I'm in. So here we are. Um, last night we recorded our first, our first new again episode and, um, got that sucker ready to roll. I just wanted to do a quick little intro, tell you guys what was going on and kind of what we are what's been going on the last few years and what we are planning on doing with the podcast this time around. So um, we're just going to take a little different look at it than I did right away. You know, right away it was very guest based. Um, everything was all about having guests on and maybe someone of people of certain celebrity. Um, and that's not a bad thing. And we might do some of that going forward. It's not that I, wouldn't want to have someone on simply just wouldn't want to have someone on just because they are a big name. Um, that doesn't make sense. But from here on out, I'm not going to have someone on just because they are a big name. I want to have, you know, something that we can talk about and, and they would fit into the discussion that we we're planning on having um, rather than fitting a discussion around them. So um, that'll be one of the biggest changes. It might, the podcast might just be the three of us talking uh, me, Bill and Ryan on whatever t subject that we decide we want to talk to that, talk about that day. Um, you know, I might do some on my own, just come in here and just sit down and, um, you know, see something, hear something I want to talk about and blab for 15, 20, 30 minutes and, and go that route. Um, or we might have guests on that are just dudes that are regular hunters, regular killers, um, that, you know, we feel hunt like us or hunt like me. Um, people that I've met, quote met through Instagram or I've actually met through hunting or through Instagram. Um, so that those are the kind of folks that we're looking to have on and kind of the general direction um, that we're looking to go. We're not zero intentions of being the biggest, most popular podcast out there. Um, really not, not at all kind of what we're going for. You're not going to hear ads. Um, <clears throat> You're not going to hear uh, politics. You're not going to hear us uh, raising a ruckus and, um, you know, swearing and cussing. 
that kind of stuff. It, that's we're not. That's not. Uh, that's none of us personally, and that's not what we're gonna try to pretend we are on here. So um, you won't hear any of that. Now, <clears throat> one thing that has happened in these last two years is right. Well, somewhat after we recorded our last podcast, a couple months, two or three months afterwards, um, I did start a job working for Bandit and Avery um, in the marketing realm. Um, so that's something new. And I just wanted to make sure that everyone knows that I do work for them. It's not real well known. Um, and even with that, we're not planning on, we're not going to be an ad platform for them. You know, most of the gear I'll talk about will probably be related um, to them, of course. But, um, you know, we're not going to be an advertising platform just for that. So um, <clears throat> you don't have to worry about that because I know that I'm, I'm turned off by listening to podcasts where all it is is talking about how amazing a certain shotgun shell is or a jacket or whatever. So um, that's not going to be the gig either. So, so we're not going to have celebrities be the key. Um, we're just going to try to be the, the uh, hunting man's podcast, um, put people in, celebrities and that kind of stuff and where they fit in and really keep probably the theme of the podcast very similar to what it was before. Um, since I'm the only one of the three hosts now that is a photographer, probably won't be as much of that talk as there was in some of the other ones, but it is something I enjoy and it's a big part of um, what I like to do and who I am. So there'll definitely be some conversations on that, about that and and that might be some of the ones where I just do my own thing and talk about that as well, too. So, um, And we'll probably have other photographers on as well because I'm friends with a bunch of those guys. So those are people that will have round and round, but probably not quite as frequent or heavy into that as we were before. Um, I'm all about the science of duck hunting. There's things that I love about it, you know, whether it's um, reproduction of ducks, um, habitat, food sources, eating habits, uh, migrations, you know, the physical things about ducks, about how they see, hear, um, habitat or um, migrations, all that kind of stuff. That's all interesting to me. Uh, I feel like it probably is to most people that are really into duck hunting as well. Um, you know, it affects, it affects our hunting directly. Um, it affects populations, which affects hunting. So all that kind of stuff are things that we'll probably keep on and try to have some science-related people in as well. So um, you can expect some of that yet. Um, of course, we're going to talk about hunting straight up. And, you know, that's such a wide wide range of topics because it could include history, which um, we talk about here and later on in this first episode, we get into a little bit of history of things. And, and it's more sprinkled in. And I expect history to be more sprinkled in like that. Um, in the kind of the ways we do it on specific little subtopics um, as we're just going through. But, you know, history, um, man, I, I like to tell hunting stories. And if people are interested in that, and if you let me know that, I mean, I think that would be something fun. I love to write about them on my Instagram page, um, you know, with like the kill the hero shots and then tell my story of the hunt. And that would be something that I would love to do if I know that people are are interested in it you know, specific days or whatever like that, I could 
pluck things out and and tell those stories. I think that'd be fun. Um, you know, we can talk about gear. And when, and if we do want to, if we do get into gear, what I want it to be more revolved around is more so the idea of um, kind of like our boat blind episode was, where it's not talking about you know a specific product and why it's better, but more so a category of products and how to utilize them better. Um, some general general thoughts on that type of product um, from the three of us. You know, it might be on duck calls where we kind of talk a little bit about the differences between duck calls and effectiveness and why we like some more than others or a certain style. Um, you know, it might be about something as basic as uh, decoy rigging. You know, when do you want to use uh, Texas rigs versus when do you want to use the regular J weight system. Um, so, cause all that kind of stuff. And I've had people ask me a lot of questions about that kind of stuff. So I think, you know, if we pick the right categories, that would be really interesting and actually probably beneficial for some folks who haven't had some of those experiences with gear and are just questioning it. So that would be another option that we might talk about too. So, and we, and I'm, I'm personally pretty interested in, Oh, I wouldn't say the ethics side of hunting. I am interested in that, but maybe a broader would be like more of the philosophical side of hunting, um, the touchy-feely part of hunting, all that kind of stuff. So I think that's something that I would like to always delve into a little bit as well, um, especially going forward. And depending on our guests and that kind of stuff and, and what is going on in the world, um, those are those are things that I'd like to, to discuss as well. So, um so that's kind of everything rolled up real quick in terms of um, what you can expect coming out of here on this channel here for the next while. And other than that, I really don't have um, much else to say except that we've got our, the full episode here coming at you. That's again with uh, myself, Ryan Graves, and my friend Bill Bartz. We recorded it last night. Kind of just a general conversation where we went off topic more than we ever stayed on topic. Um, so it's kind of fun. Those are the conversations I like to listen to on different podcasts and um, rather than just a strict type deal. We were just three guys talking duck hunting. So on that note, I'll let that one get rolling. I'll get my own voice out of your ear and let you uh, hear the three of us talk and hope to hear you guys uh, with some feedback. Uh, don't be afraid to reach out if you have questions, comments, just want to say hi, whatever on that end. Um, I answer pretty much everything that I get. So hope to hear from you guys and thanks for listening. And especially again, thanks to those of you who stuck around and welcome to those who are new. Thank you much. Catch you guys later.
All right, everybody, welcome back. Um, a long-term welcome back to the Shooting Time podcast. Um, this is your host, Phil Conkey. I'm sitting here remotely today. I have my friend Ryan Graves and my friend Bill Bartz. Howdy. What's going on, guys? You guys will know both of them from previous podcasts. Bill was a co-host on quite a few previous of uh, Round 1 episodes. And Ryan was a guest on one of the, probably one of the first ones, I think. Um, and his he was towards the beginning. Yeah, he was one of the, one of the first ones there. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think I probably talked about it in my intro here, the first round, or the first um, previous previous intro that I gave. But um, Ryan kind of got me back into gear, and Bill got me back into gear on getting this thing going again, so... Um, you know, and I've known both these guys for quite a few years, Bill for probably over half my life, (laughs) Bill for over half my life. And I've known Ryan for actually dang near just as long. Um, Yeah. Almost 20 years. Yeah. Just not as, just not as well. But, um, but, um, I think we met, me and Ryan met in a pit in Southern Illinois during the Avery international goose calling contest in the early 2000s and yep. I think it was Greg Klein's flooded cornfield um, which I hope to never experience that again in a pit you can, only see, <laughs> you can only see about 10 yards in front of you and I just didn't dig that experience now <laughs> it was funny because I remember I think that was the first I think we hunted two days Ryan I think one day was at Tim Grounds's and one was at Greg's I think we hunted Greg's first and I and I thought you were kind of crazy because you collected duck calls, which I was, I understood that part, but what you collected was old, um, cut down. Well, collect- that well, was your main, no, you, were, I, you were talking about collecting yeah. old cut downs. And I was like, why would someone? Well, no, I didn't actually collect old cut downs. I collected, um, I collected old, old calls that are the ones that, that guys, um, buy and, and modify or um quote unquote cut down um like well, that what i was doing is you know i was i just you know back back at that time i didn't even know what a like a cut down or a modified call um was i don't think you know i just bought you know just they were just old duck calls when and uh, i just thought they were cool so but i collected all old duck calls and um you know at the time in the early 2000s you know i mean the old oats were all I could afford to, to buy. So, you know, I just bought them and threw them in a bucket and, you know, and fortunately years later, it was a, it was a pretty good little investment to buy those back then, which oh I had no gosh, foresight yeah. in, but, but, um, but when all this cut down craze and all that got, um, got going on, you know, you know, guys ate those up because that's what, that's what they want is unmodified original PSO keyhole style duck calls and like I said, those are the ones that I that I um, gathered and collected amongst you know I, but I, you know I bought everything um, I saw you know, somebody I, I saw somebody today on call nuts on Facebook asking a guy who had four old wooden duck calls if they, if one of them was a keyhole and I thought to myself, like, I don't know a lot about that, but that's pretty easy question to answer and know with, right? 
Well, kind of yes and no. The, um, you know, the old, the, what they were called is the old D2 um, Olds. Yeah. And they, up until 1938, they had a, they had a round um, tone channel in them. Then around 1938, they put like a keyhole tone channel in them. And it was a misconception that they did it to get a better sound out of it, which that might have been a byproduct, but that wasn't what their initial goal was. Their initial goal was to uh, make it easier to slide on and off of the mold. Huh. You know, that's what that's what the keyhole got on there for. So, um, so the, yeah, so the, the fact that it made them sound better was kind of more of a byproduct than what they was uh, originally after. So, but basically, if you just look at the end of the barrel, it just looks like a keyhole slot is compared to being a round hole slot. You know, one thing mm-hmm. one thing you mentioned, um, you talked about collecting duck calls there, that I kind of like about just that little, you probably didn't even think anything of it, but just something I thought of is that you started collecting duck calls because you like those calls. Um, one thing I feel like I see a lot of right now on the call collecting scene is it's basically a contest who can have the most of this particular style call or whatever. Like, I don't feel like it's, yeah, I love this call, but, and this is more like the the new call collecting, I think. Yeah. I mean, um, call collecting like anything else, it's got, you know, stages, you know, like I say, when I first started out, I didn't have, you know, I was in college and, or actually late high school, college, and you know, I just bought what I could afford. You know, fifteen dollars here, twenty dollars there. Um, you know, but as you know, up in in the last twenty twenty two years, you know, it's really, um, you know, I you know, I don't collect. I collect old duck calls because, like, I'm a. I collect all historic waterfowling artifacts. I don't collect duck calls because they're per se, because I'm like infatuated with duck calls. Cause mm-hmm. I'm not, I collect them because they're historic waterfowling artifacts because I collect old decoys, old boats, um, um, you know, and pretty much anything all pre 19 pre 1950. So, you know, I don't have anything. Um, I don't have a whole lot newer than the 1950 stuff. And, um, you know, and as things have progressed and I've gotten as deep into it as I have, I mean, I'm pretty much owing, collect you know the, the higher end stuff now you know i don't i don't yeah. get into the, the it makes sense and everybody goes like, through stages I guess, yeah too. everybody goes through stages but um it's just funny because like it's just funny because when i think of call collecting right now i'm just kind of like turned off into even getting into it. i mean i have my own little collection of calls that i've bought essentially to use over the years and i keep them on a mm-hmm. shelf and it's zero percent impressive to anyone who would look at calls unless you know you get, you heard the stories about them and that kind of stuff but i do like mm-hmm. that you just kind of started i feel like a little more purely than maybe kind of the the way it's gone yeah well, so. well when i was in high school like um it was probably my junior year of high school my uh, girlfriend's parents at the time they bought me the the book duck calls of illinois by bob christensen um i don't even know where they found it at because back then there was no amazon so, you know, I just kind they of had got to going search for it. And, mm-hmm. Yeah, they had to actually search for it. But I mean, it just comes natural as like, I think one of being a collector is one of those things that, that's something you are as soon as you're born. Like, I mean, before I collected old duck calls and decoys and all this stuff, you know, it was old, it was vintage baseball cards. And, and, you know, it's just one of those, my parents are collectors. You know, they, my dad collects cars. My mom collects just kind of old Americana, yep. you know, 
just mm-hmm. neat old stuff. So, I mean, it's kind of one of those things. I think you're just kind of when you're born, you're a collector or you're not, <laughs> you know, it's interesting. You know? The baseball card thing. I was thinking that as you're talking, um, I feel like the call collecting now is a lot like baseball collecting. When I was baseball card collecting, when I was little is that you weren't necessarily doing it because you liked the player. Most people who were buying baseball cards that I knew were buying them with the hopes of pulling a, you know, a 1983 Daryl Strawberry or a, you know, a 1989 yeah. Ken, Ken Griffey upper deck. Or, there you uh, go. Maybe, maybe not so much Daryl Strawberry, but Ken well, Griffey. Yeah. Well, it was from when I was real little, it was Daryl Strawberry. And then, you know, when I was in my yeah, teens, it was like, Ken. Like, they didn't care who their favorite player was. I mean, they wanted the big name card. And, of course, I was the dummy yeah. who went out and collected Chuck, Chuck Knobloch, Will Clark, um, oh, who other. I had, like, two. I had four guys that I collected. And literally all four of them, like, were great baseball players, but had zero monetary value to any of their yeah. stuff. So, mm-hmm. exactly. But you're you're 100 correct, though. I mean, that's you know, there there is part of that in collecting now. Now, not really so much in the the vintage call collecting circle, yeah. um, as it is kind of the contemporary circle. But you know, in that contemporary circle, like you know, I don't really keep up with it. Um, but it seems like just it's constantly guys turning over, you know, the, Oh yeah. They buy a brand new R and T from straight from the factory for 250 bucks and then turn around, and sell it for 350 bucks. Yeah. The next day. Like that's all it's become. And, 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 and it's kind of, I kind of get frustrated with it sometimes because, you know, I mean, I've spent over 20 years educating myself to, to know what all this stuff is and to study the history and to be able to appreciate it. And, you know, a lot of these guys will just get into this stuff and, you know, won't put any time in it themselves to learn. And, you know, just say that are collecting echoes and rich and tones and all that. And, you know, they do find an old duck call, you know, they think it's just as simple as me calling me and yeah, and me appraising it and giving them, uh, you know, and them turn around and flipping it. Well, you know, I mean that, that ship sailed 10 years ago. I, I mean, that's not, that doesn't happen anymore. I mean, I'm more than happy to help anybody, but if your intentions are just to make money, uh, just to fl- turn, you know, I mean, Google it, figure it out. Yeah, you know, do, mm-hmm. your own do some work. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I, I mean, see you get tagged all the time in a lot of those posts. I just kind of laugh, I'm like, man, yeah, be like constantly busy with that. So, <clears throat> anyways, yeah, I, could, yeah I, I think that's just kind of funny how a, I mean, obviously, how things come full circle. Yeah, yeah, how and how a hunt, how a hunt from way back then, and like we've managed to keep in contact a little bit through that. Yeah. More recently, at the, definitely. At the, at the time, I must have just have bought some old calls or something because I mean I don't even really know why I would have even yeah. have told you that I collected all my. You were talking to one of the other guys that was hunting with us, and I don't remember. I don't remember who else was with us that day. Well, one of the guys that hunted with us was the, like you know he. Oh, he, he was, was a our, relative, the son, or yeah, grandson. He was, yeah, he was. Yeah, he was a relative of the old. That's uh, what it was. That's why it came up. Yeah, that was why that's it why, came okay. up. Yep. Yep. I remember. That's that is exactly it. I do remember yep. that now. Um, yeah, it's kind of funny how a little duck call and, and all that kind of stuff keeps the guy, keeps people kind of keep some bonds together. Um, yeah, I quick- tell people all the time. I like to, I tell people all the time, like if it wasn't for ducks and um, if it wasn't for ducks, mallard ducks and duck calls and all that, I mean, I would have to go find a new wife, new friends. Like, <laughs> well, everything like comes back full circle to a mallard drake <laughs> we will we will we will touch base on that in a little bit i'll promise you. that's something i wanted to bring up here in a little bit um i know for those who maybe like i don't want to go crazy about the cut down thing but 
and you mentioned the cut down craze. I think that's um, to me, like, I mean, I, I feel like I was fairly connected to the duck call world since I was probably about 20, give or take 18, 19, 20. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know anything about a cut down call until really until the Mondo came out. And then all of a sudden it was like, you know, this thing was revolutionary. It was the way people talked. And I was kind of like, eh, whatever. Yeah, well, yeah but, that was probably like 2012 or so. I think maybe 2012, 2013. Yeah. Sounds right. You know, I mean, I, I kind of first become familiar with them like, um, probably 2000. I was probably 2002. You know, I was going down and hunting, um, by a meet with Brennisley and, um, Will McBride, they had, and, um, you know, some of their mentors, and, but basically what that, you know, the, the old cut down call is, is basically like back in the day, like the, you know, all the old hardware stores and, and so forth, they sold the, the D2 duck call. That's what they, they had in stock and they weren't overly expensive, you know, at the, I mean, compared to, you know, I don't know what the value of a dollar was then, but you know, it had been about the equivalent now to going and spending probably 10 to $15 on a call, yeah. you know, and for these, you know, they were readily available. They didn't sound very good. So, um, you know, so the hunters in the area, they would take them and, and they would modify them themselves, you know, to, to get the sound that they wanted. And the sound that they ended up coming up with was, um, you know, has, you know, a very good volume, a very good, it's a kind of a different pitch and yeah. kind of just all around different sound than what we're used to out of a, a, um, a modern duck call. So, you know, and that, you know, in the Northeast Louisiana and, you know, Southeast Arkansas, you know, from Biomeda to Southeast portion to, you know, the, the quote unquote cut down style duck call become really popular in the green timber woods. Yeah. So that's kind of the, and it's interesting that that, that call is taken. I mean, it's if you, if there's anybody that I know that lives in this area that considers themselves a good duck caller or even in Minnesota or anywhere now, like that style of call was kind of taken over and it did so in like with a, like a explosion of popularity there in the last 10 years, Yeah, which is interesting because there's, there's no other calls like that, that really have done that. I mean, yeah, like a style. They're not, and I think it's it's just a you know obviously they're still a J frame style um, duck call. Yeah, but you know, but they have a you know it's kind of a different style of call, and you know, and it might fit people's different. You know, I you know I blow one, but it kind of um, even though I haven't blown one for it's probably been four or five years now that I've really been taking them serious, but like they really kind of fit the way I blow a duck call. Like you know I blow hard and and raspy and. Yeah. Um, I think people like them. I'm the same way. I, I blow a Mondo sometimes. Yeah. But like, I think it's like they have a mystique to them that not a lot of other duck calls have had. Um, and it's kind of interesting because like up here in South Dakota, Minnesota, I mean, we never knew anything about cut downs and, mm-hmm. and there's really no other comparable specific style of call that had anything like that going on yeah. where, where people were working on duck calls and, like uh, nobody that I knew, even guys that were hardcore duck hunters. I mean, not one of those dudes was going to be touching the guts and the reeds on a duck call. I mean, mm-hmm. basically it was to the point of where if, if that call didn't sound good anymore, it was junk and they had to go buy a new one. Like they weren't, <laughs> they weren't, they weren't going to go fix it and take it apart and adjust it. It was none of that. So I mean, yeah. there were definitely, the, there were definitely guys that did it. You know, I just didn't know them, 
but there yeah. wasn't. But I, don't, that, I don't think there was a lot of them. Yeah, that that style of call, you either you either like it or you hate it. Um, you know, there's not a whole lot of in between on it. Oh, um, way you know, I started I started blowing on a little bit more just because. You know, it was different than what you know the rest of you know the crew that I hunt with. Yeah, that helps. You know, instead of, instead of everybody sounding exactly the same, and um, like I said, they can you know they can be overpowering, they can be dominating, but like I said, there's, um, you know, I mean, I've seen it, you know, I've seen it be effective to where you know to me it's almost like sometimes you know these high birds, it's the the difference in hitting them with a ball peen hammer and hitting them with a sledgehammer. You know, yeah. like when. I'm talking about the sound when they hear it. It's like like a wall you know, of sound coming at them. Yeah, it's like it's like it just smashes them all at once. Or I mean, it's but I mean I, I think it's an effective sound. You know, it can definitely. Um, but more like anything else too. You know, like when the spinner first come out, it was more effective. But if everybody's blowing them, they probably will lose yeah. how you know mm-hmm. effective they are. But yeah, it's kind of just you don't have that pop that you get from from most duck calls. Yeah, or that has a call that has a pop that you do not get from most duck calls. So it's different. Yeah. they're definitely different. It is interesting. It's, yeah. I, just, I just you know, and as far as blowing them, you blow them completely different. It's kind of you know, as comparison to, um, it's kind of compared to what would be like the difference between blowing a short goose call to a flute goose call. Yeah, mm-hmm. definitely. I mean, yeah, the way just, you present the air different. It's how you present the air. So it's more like just you know, small little burst of air is. And it's just not as clean as what you would traditionally put through a no, call as you know no, it now. No. So way more brash yeah. sounding. Which that's why people yeah. like it. I mean, I think this the the transition in the last twenty years and you can watch it. I, I actually think this is a one way that I think Rich and Tone duck calls have almost like shown you could follow Rich and Tone's duck call line and see the progression of what people want for style of duck calls. If you go back 20 years ago, there was, you know, it was just the Rich and Tone original and whatever. Mm-hmm. And, and that was about it. I mean, there was a few. And then all of a sudden, you know, a, a short barrel came, and then a timbre, and then mm-hmm. the daisy cutter, and then everything just kept getting raspier and raspier and raspier up until some of the stuff you have now, like the Mondos and all the different styles of Mondos. Like, duck calls have just gotten raspier over the years and so it makes sense that these calls now are super popular so yeah exactly i mean i'll say rich and tone stays up with um what's going on you know the if the they, owner john if, stevens i mean he's yeah. one of my very dear friends so probably one of my best friends so i mean i get to you know like you know and he's a and he's a he's a character in himself but like you know just very creative and um just very on top of what is you know what is going on and 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 what people want to buy. And I mean, and that's why they're so successful. Mm-hmm. It just neat to be able to watch it, how it happened and actually see the, see that progression of calls. Done. Yeah. See the progression. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Anyways, that's probably too much duck call talk for most people. Well, I, I just, I just, <laughs> we're, we're nerds. I just have one more question to follow up with that. So the old cut down, I've never blown one. I think I've blown an unmodified one if I remember right, but I don't have much experience with them. But if you, let's say, were to blow your Mondo in an old cutdown, is there much of a difference, or do they sound the same? Well, no, they they're they're pretty much designed to sound the same. Like, um, you know, naturally, Jim Ronquist from Richard Tone was, um, you know, he's kind of from that old school, um, old school line of green timber hunters in Arkansas that you know love that style of call. So, 
Um, and, and basically why the, you know, that, you know, everybody wanted these calls. Well, they were made out of hard rubber and they were very brittle, you know, so the tone boards broke off easy, you know, so rich and tone being smart business people, they are thought, you know, mm-hmm. we'll, we'll just, we'll make our own version of this. So basically, you know, they just kind of molded, um, Jimbo's tone board and, and, and stuff on his call or his dimensions. I mean, I don't know if it was, you know, 80% exact or a hundred, you know, I'm not for sure there, but like basically it was made after that. So, you know, so it was 100% made to sound exactly what Jim's old call sounded like. Mm-hmm. That's cool. So, so it's I mean, just cool. It's cool all, hearing. A, well, go ahead, Ryan. Yeah. That's where that all come from. So it's cool hearing about old. I mean, they were just ahead of their time, weren't they? They really were, um, you know, they, they was as far as like game call companies. I mean, there's no, you know, I still even say to, to this day, there's probably nobody that sold more game calls than the PS alt company. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they, um, they started around, um, the late 1890s. It's anywhere from 1898 to 1902. Nobody knows a hundred specific what the exact time was, but like, um, but from 1902 until they really stopped producing them in the 1990s, you know, it's just kind of like the like the progression that Phil was talking about. It just kind of outgrew old, mm-hmm. you know. And but as far as from you know deer calls to duck calls, goose calls, like I mean, they really revolutionized the sport. And like what most people don't realize, like the PS Alt is what you know the Arkansas style J frame duck call. Well, I mean that's not really an Arkansas style call. That's an Illinois style call. Mm-hmm. You know, the one that come up with it. You know where you slide the cork in there. That you know. I mean that's all based off of the the um, old PSO calls. Hmm. You know, so that's where I mean, so that's where the J frame style duck call um, come from. So you know, and um, you know, I've got one of the I've got the two earliest ults that exist from like 1902 in my collection. One of them's called a, what they call the old okay old. I don't really know what that meant, but it like, when it, you know, in the early advertisements and around 1902, 1903, 1904, it's stamped in there like okay old. Um, very rare call. Um, I was fortunate to get one several years ago. And I mean, they're rare enough. I think the last one that sold on eBay sold for close to $9,000. So. Oh, wow. Crazy. Yeah. Then, um, then they had like a wooden barreled one, and like I said, I got one of those too. And I think they only made like four or five of them in um, like nineteen oh three or nineteen oh four until they decided to go to making them one hundred percent out of hard rubber. So, so after all that duck call talk, um, <laughs> yeah, the, the one <laughs> the one thing that cracks me up. So I hunted with both. Obviously, I've hunted with Bill a bunch over the years. Um, not as much recently since I've moved away 15 years ago or whatever, but we still hunt occasionally, but I don't know whether I am two, two seasons ago, the couple months after the podcast, after I quit doing it last time. And of all calls that he has on his lanyard is probably, I guess I didn't smell it, but if I were to guess, I would know, I would know exactly what it smells like. And a lot of people who know, you know anything about duck calls? We'll know exactly what I'm talking about. But it's <laughs> one of the oldest and most used Hadel DR85s I've ever seen in my life. Taped up with how many coats of electric tape? And, yeah, it, and the like, parts where you can still see the plastic—it's basically the color of <laughs> beer. 
<laughs> so yeah, yeah. I think it's more like I think it's more like the the color of Copenhagen. Um, many no, years of Copenhagen. <laughs> I don't know. I don't. Yeah, yeah. I tell my wife somebody must have. Yeah. Um, I must have stole my call and was using it. No, my like I said the DR85 that I still have in my lanyard. I mean, it was like the first duck call that I ever bought, in like late '94, '95. Um, it's and like I say, and the you know, not a lot of people tape them up, but I mean, the reason I taped up the mouthpiece because it was cracked, it would pinch your lips. Mm-hmm. And I put some tape around, and I put some tape around the. And I did this so many years ago. I put some tape around the barrel just because I wanted it to fit better in my hands because that. It just didn't feel right. It's skinny. Just to make it, yeah, it's too skinny just to make it bigger. So, and when I did that, I figured out that like it just it made the sound better. Mm-hmm. So, Probably made it more solid sounding. It did. It just, um, but like I say, I've never out of all these years. I mean, I you know I'm great friends with the Haydell family and all that. And I have tried so many old Haydell's duck calls, and like I say, and I cannot get another one to sound exactly like that one did. That's or weird. That. All calls calls develop their own personalities like that. I feel like they do, and the the reads in it. It's I've still got the exact same reads in it that were like from day one. And I mean, I still blow this call. Are those some things point. made of like uh, <laughs> what was the thing that that was made uh, Superman? Um, yeah, you know, kryptonite. Like, kryptonite. Yeah, yeah they made, like, for a, a read to last that long and not yeah. have well, bubbled up. Is, or well, they are bubbled up. Oh. They are bubbled up and split, but um, I took some just just a small smidget of um, Gorilla Glue. Oh my god! <laughs> and, and, like, and wiped it on there, and so and, and glued them back together, like it all. There's a fine <laughs> precision instrument you have there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Electrical tape and Gorilla Glue. You could you can modify your Haydells at Lowe's. Yeah, oh, I love it. Sound, I mean, I still think it sounds as good as it was the. Um, the day I got it, but I say for whatever reason, like the older DAR eighty five, DR eighty fives, I don't. And a lot of people say this too; they have a sound to them. The, the, mm-hmm. the some of the later ones don't. And you know, I've asked Kelly and Rod about it, and you know, they say that's just that's just all in our heads. But um, I don't know. I got some buddies that blow them up here that will say the exact same thing. They hang on to their old ones, they tape them up because they keep popping blister packs open in the stores of newer ones. They're like, nope, nope. Nope, it's not the same. Yeah. And I can't blow and like I said that one too. Like it, I can't blow them exactly how they come out of the package. I have to. I mean, I don't really do any modifying on them. I just have to shorten the tone board or, or lengthen the reads or or yeah. something. And I'm not sure what it is exactly that I do, but but it's it's different than how they come, you know, out of the package for sure. I mean, I don't. Mm-hmm. I don't think I've bought a call in the last twenty years that I didn't literally get it home immediately, rip the box open, pull the guts out. Goose call, pull the guts out, or mm-hmm. duck call. Eh, not a duck call as much, but most even then I'd play with him a little bit. And yeah. it's funny, like for to have such an extensive like collection of vintage calls that I do. Like, uh, you know, I got a Mondo probably five or six years ago, and I got that, and um, I think I've bought a Power Spec call. I say out of all the. All, all the stuff that I own, those are like the only two calls that I've probably really bought in, in the last 20 years. Wow. Yeah, That's I know crazy. I know that feeling. I went to Game Fair last year uh, up in Anoka, Minnesota. I went to Game Fair last year looking for a goose call. And uh, that just felt weird because I haven't shopped for a goose call for a long time. Yeah, and I've still got the 
grounds super mag that I've had for, um, I've, I've had it a long time. I mean, it seems like it's probably been at least 18 years, you know, time flies, but like, mm-hmm. uh, but I'm just not, I'm just not that the guy that just goes and, and you know, goes wild on duck calls and, and has to have the, the, you know, like, I'll blow the Mondo and the DR85 and the Super Mag that I got pretty much probably the rest of my life, whether I live mm-hmm. to be 100 or I die tomorrow. Well, until you get so, your hands mm-hmm. on the layers, then you'll then you'll see the light. Yeah, <laughs> I think Phil's right. I'm I'm about ready to order up a couple layers calls. Yeah, they are nice. They're, I have you know some some friends have them. They are nice. I really like your spec call. Yeah. Nah, mm-hmm. I just like to tease about that. I just like that. Duck call. Yeah. Anyways, uh, yeah, that was I, I thought that was funny. I noticed that. I saw Ryan's lanyard. I'm like, what are you doing with this thing on there? And that was during a, that was that was a year and a half ago, and I was just kind of curious if I had still survived through one more hunting season. But it's clearly, really, did. yeah, and it's not clear anymore. It, I mean, the call is literally brownish black. I mean, it's yeah. it, 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 it's rough looking. Yeah, I, would. Mm-hmm. I don't think I would. If you offer, like, I normally like to blow other people's calls just to see what they sound like. <laughs> and I, I would probably turn down that opportunity to touch that one. So. Yeah, what, what kind of like what, <laughs> kind of like what? Um, what's his name said on Christmas vacation? You might want to take a rain check oh, on that. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would take yeah. that to later. I would because get, Eddie said you I might would, want to take a rain check. I would get some Lysol and Clorox and put it on it first. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I actually I do like take it apart. I take my you know a lot during the season and um, just to get honey bun and sausage biscuit and oh you got it Copenhagen and, and oh, well yeah and, and you have to take duck. I mean I found that with well duck and goose calls with duck calls you have to take them apart otherwise the sound starts going on them. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you have that the magical power. It's like a. It's like a refreshing power of just taking the cork out and popping it back into a duck call. Well, what is that? Ryan, can you explain that to me? If you if you pull your duck call read out, this is a, a J-frame style call, and if your cork is stuck to it, it is probably sounding like shit. And if you just pull your cork off and put it back together, it sounds great again. Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't I've, get it. Yeah, I, it's, I, I it's mean, definitely I, true, I, though. I 100%, I 100% know what you're saying and 200% agree. Yeah. Like, and um, what the, the um, you know, the Mondo that I had, you know, back in March, like I had it with me at Callapalooza and um, Jim took it and blew on it. He's like, oh, he's, damn partner, you need a new cork. You know, I mean, I just saying cork's been in it since I've had it for four or five years and, and he went and put a new cork in it. And like, holy smokes. I mean, it sounded unbelievable. I didn't realize how flat it sounded until he put a new cork mm-hmm. in it. So I don't know what, the, I don't know what why that helps what the chemistry is there yeah, but exactly. maybe maybe someone listening to this can chime india phil and let us know yeah, yeah. give us a little feedback on that less vibra- you know i really have no idea but it's i'll tell you yeah there's nothing better than a, a the sound of a new cork yeah even even like bill to just take it out and put it back in again helps it isn't as good yeah. as completely replacing it but it is it helps just to pop it back out and put it back in yeah yeah no that was so that was a year and a half ago, and that was right around. I think you were up the weekend of Thanksgiving or the week of Thanksgiving. Yeah, well, yeah. Well, I come up the weekend. And you had timed it pretty much perfectly for a hunt to come. I'm always nervous when people come to hunt, and hunting had been good until, mm-hmm. until you came. I'm like, oh, it's gonna peter out. It's gonna peter out. And I think our first day we were done in like 
yeah, hour we were done. We or had, something. Yeah, we had Levi and his little kid with us. It was oh yeah, that was, was the first. Hunt. That was a really good hunt. Yeah, that was yeah. Fun. We had a then I don't remember. Yeah, I mean, it ended up being four days. I think one day was foggy, and we just decided to go scouting instead of yeah. We had, sticking out the fog. We had the one first day was really good sun, nice breeze. Second day. Was the second day though? No, that was the fourth day. So then another good day, and then terrible clouds, and then the last day, remember it was foggy again, and we just we were gonna hunt, yeah. And all of a sudden, we had like three, I think, in the first hour, and we hadn't only seen like three, and then all of a sudden the sun came out, and we were done in like twenty minutes. Hey, and that was sunshine's a game changer, man. Mm-hmm. That was a fun other. Yeah, it's something we have not seen very much that is like past couple duck seasons. Like, oh. I mean, out of the last two duck seasons, I could probably count on my both hands how many sunny days we've had because it hasn't been very many. Mm-hmm. Ugh, that's the worst. Yeah. That's when that is one of the things that like, we'll touch on this later that it makes um, being flexible in the duck hunting world for your time schedule so important to hunt on days like that. Oh, just the hunting world mm-hmm. in general. Yeah, yeah. The hunting world and in I general. Guess- yeah, I get. I mean, to me too. Like, I mean, I'm a mallard purist, and I think pretty much are too. I don't know about you, Bill, oh, but yeah. like, as far as mallards go, I mean, it, you know, sunshine is king. Mallards, mm-hmm. pintails, black ducks. Yeah, pretty much, you know, not, pretty much puddlers besides teal. Yeah, like I say. Mm-hmm. I mean, could you imagine trying to shoot a gadwall in the clouds? Oh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. You need a howitzer. Yeah. <laughs> as finicky as finicky as they are anyways yeah that, yep. that, that, that if we have that if that's Some all you hunted things. was great ups oh my god uh, Slow your wrists. least least favorite yeah. by far i mean they can be thousand yards up and and well you know walk their wings and get to about 80 yards and never miss a beat then all of a sudden at 80 yards just be like nah i'm good you might as <laughs> you well know? you might as well sit up and shot at them uh, exactly mm-hmm. because that's how they flare yeah. that bad yeah, kind of like a single pintail leading a group of mallards. I mean, yeah, that can, gone. Yep. Yeah. Uh-huh. So that was yeah, that I, was that was two years, two falls ago. And Bill, yeah. you did not come that year, did you? Uh no, that is the year that I had uh, that I broke my oh, leg in yeah, half. Yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, mm-hmm. Oh yeah, this was yeah, this is actually a little tidbit on that. Is that um, that was early <laughs> October, wasn't it? That you fell out of a tree stand. Yeah, I decided 2018 was the year that I was going to begin bow hunting. Uh, And you, Phil, you're the one that got me into it because you were bow hunting. That's the year you shot your big meal deer, right? Uh Uh-huh. If I remember right. And, and, uh, yeah, it just, I don't know, something changed in me, and I I really wanted to get into bow hunting, so I shot all summer long. You and I talked a ton about it and uh, had a little had a little miss uh what i did was i i moved an old uh ladder stand to a different location and um i don't know what correct protocol is but i always like to go up that ladder stand just two steps to kind of center the stand on the tree and uh when i did that right where my ankles were the ladder broke inward and my left foot went into one of the what would you call it like the ladder openings and me and the whole stand came down to the ground, and I was reading keen on the bottom of my foot when I looked up at my leg. That's how bad oh. I broke it. Like, like the treads on the – it was right. gross. So, so what sucked about 2018 for me obviously was that, and then the uh, salt in the wound was Phil's phone calls and text messages um, 
I've always prided myself on being happy for other hunters. You know, like if, if, uh, you know, if you talk to me, how, you know, I'll, if someone says we shot a limit or the last two days are really good, I'm always genuinely happy. Uh, cause I know the feeling I know when I'm in that boat, I feel bad for hunters when they're like, man, that North Dakota trip sucked or whatever it was. Like I feel bad cause I've been there, you know, and I've experienced mm-hmm. the bad weather, but 2018 was the year that I was kind of getting a little upset with my buddy, Phil, <laughs> yeah. getting uh, a little, little bit upset that year. Cause I'm laying on the couch and he's like, yeah, got, yeah, we got him. Yeah. We got him again. It's ridiculous. I don't feel like is I there, did that unsolicited there, is, though. Like, I feel like you had to there, asked. <laughs> because <laughs> i try it's, not it, to do that as i like just got out of surgery like two weeks before that and i got you know was it 20 screws and two plates in my leg and phil is like i don't know is there maybe a way we could get you in my boat and oh it just made me mad because i knew it'd be impossible oh, yeah we could have made, made it work we would have made it work you would have you could have shot sitting down probably a bunch of times <laughs> yeah out of your boat i probably could have yes yeah, we could have made it we'd have made it work yeah i'll tell you i've i've um don't have to worry about that happen i've put climbing ladder stands and getting in tree stands on on the list of things that portly guys don't do oh, <laughs> like man. fencing and bungee jumping and downhill skiing <laughs> all that it's on that list so the absolute i mean i've never been a deer hunter i've like i mean i'm 110 percent a waterfowl hunter and mm-hmm. that's it well it and there um there's not much gravity can, Involved yeah. in duck hunting, and about fifteen years. Ago, yeah. <laughs> well, it depends on who you ask. Yeah, about fifteen years ago, my cousin Dustin asked me if I'd go deer hunting with him. You know, he'd had a deer. He's like, "I'll just, you know, I've already killed mine. You can shoot." And I thought, you know what? Like, yeah, I'll go. Just me and Dustin. Well, same deal. He gets out there and he starts go up an old, you know, um, raggedy ladder stand. I looked at it and I thought, there ain't no way in hell I'm getting up in that thing. He's like, "Well, I'll go up there and." So he gets about halfway and he comes crashing down, you know, destroys both of his ankles, oh. you know, breaks both of his ankles. So, you know, we're about 300 yards from the truck. And like, I guess we didn't have self. I mean, it might've been before 2005. Cause like I said, I don't think any, neither of us had cell phones and maybe had pagers. So I'm selling some stuff on the side or what? Yeah. So, I mean, I remember walking, I mean, I had my cousin Dustin over my shoulder, walking him out through this thick stuff. And it's, this was an afternoon hunt we were going to go on and, and, you know, he's got two broken ankles. So I'm carrying him out. And so I walked through some thick stuff and kicked out two turkeys and flushed and scared me. And I dropped him. I thought, and I'll tell you what, I have not been deer hunting since and and I never will. And it's like one of those deals I didn't want to go to begin with. And I went and yeah. There's usually not that much adventure involved in whitetail hunting. And and like I say, this was right there in Marion too. So like, I mean, it's not like we were out in the wilderness or anywhere. I mean, we were a good couple hundred yards from the truck, but other than that, like, you know, and I remember looking at that tree, I remember looking at that tree stand and being like, you know, are you seriously going to get up in that? Like, (laughs) Yeah, and I mean, I, and I and I remember telling him like Dustin, yeah, like don't risk it. Like I don't care if I shoot one or not. I mean, I really, really don't. Like I'm just, I mean, I, you know, I, I'm seriously the guy that would rather, you know, go shoot into a a, a, a flock of teal than to kill a 250 class buck. I mean, that, that's just me. <laughs> I mean, it just doesn't do anything for me. Uh, mm-hmm. I can so, totally relate to that. Yeah, I like I like mule deer hunting just because I'm in the mountains, but the actual deer themselves, yeah. 
yeah. whatever. But and I, also I too, love the also, experience. Yeah. And I will say that a lot of that too is like, you know, I've got all the places in the world to duck hunt, but I don't really have any private ground to, you know, like some, you know, I mean, there's deer on our, you know, our duck club, but you know, some of the, there's not enough to go around. And a lot of the other guys, you know, you know, really in, have a passion for deer hunting. So like, I'm not going to go out there and screw around and, you know, let someone who values it, get them. Yeah. Let's yeah. Say. That's a good point. But as I will say, as I get older though, I do wish I had just like a little spot, like here close to the house where I could just put like up a little blind or something just to, you know, I've got an 11 year old and an eight year old, just, just go out there and sit and eat gummy worms and mm-hmm. watch the squirrels, you know, you make see, a deer, you know, you see cool stuff in the woods that you don't see in the duck blind. Yeah. Mm-hmm. A little different world. So I think it's funny. Like, like these guys deer hunting, you know, like my buddy John deer hunts. And so he'll, he'll be like, yeah, I'm going deer hunt today. I say, and we've been great friends for years. And, and all these years, I've never known him to shoot a deer. He's <laughs> just going out just, so, just to be so, out. So he, exactly. So he'll send me pictures while he's out there. He'll be like, he'll be like, um, you know, did you see where Mississippi state just, you know what what the coach said or well i thought i thought you're deer hunting he's sitting there sending me pictures of his of his looking at his uh, laptop or his ipad that he takes with him to to oh watch gosh. while he's deer hunting <laughs> yeah so that's what i need when i deer hunt out of a tree yeah. stand i need that because i'm instantly asleep so i'm not I'm yeah not, i'm not a deer hunter in that respect at all yeah i would i would have to be in one of those deals where i could because i'm mean, just sitting out there and being quiet there's no way i'd you know i'd Sounds i'd have a kink box in yeah, exactly. <laughs> Still that long, so that's funny. I was um thinking about how when well, Bill knows this is different when he came hunting, but which when you came this year, Bill, that you like, well, you 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 had the best timing possible, but late by about six hours. Yeah, yeah. Bill? If maybe not even yeah, six four hours yeah. even late to the party on that one, and that was. Bill got stuck I'm in. Mistaken. Bill got no stuck matter. in uh, kind of between South Dakota and Minnesota. Yeah, ho- south ho- of Worthington. Yeah, in a hotel on his way to meet us, and I sent him a text. Said you need to get here now. Okay, and then we had a snowstorm, and he didn't make it, and we were done in like 15 minutes. Oh, wow, well, the morning yeah. that he was done in that he was stuck in the hotel. We were done mm-hmm. shooting by the time he had even woke up. I think. <laughs> we sat out for like an hour afterwards and just cooked breakfast and watched ducks come in. But then the rest of the hunt was really good. Um, and Bill, yeah, I got there later that day, and yeah. our next day was awesome too. Yeah, that was really good. It was interesting that um, one of the things I remember, like, <laughs> you were thinking, Ryan, about even that hunt was how different it is. How um, and we used to have like so much terrain in this in this whole state to hunt, really. Yeah, Versus just the state like, where you guys are at. Yeah, I just remember telling you, it's like, you know, like, you know, you can go to South Dakota and you get this private land to hunt, or, you know, you can drive around and, you know, privately ask for permission or the, the, the public land. You know, I think we hunt a public few days yeah. and like the boat ramp, and, you know, there might be a boat there, there might not. Like, you know, I'll tell you if there's like, you know, here in the mid South where I'm from, if, you know, at the public land, you know, you might have, you know, if the hunt's any good, you're, you're going to have, I mean, it's going to look like, 
Walmart on Black Friday. Oh my gosh! Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I've, I've, so, I mean, it was, I've been it was part- just the lack of it was just the lack of pressure up there. I thought was was just funny, and because and the other thing here too is, I mean, there is no private ground you can just walk up and knock on the door and ask to hunt. I mean, that's not going to happen. No, it's just um, such a that, different environment yeah. for that. Like, yeah, it's the weird because we just and maybe you guys, I I feel like duck hunting is a city person's pastime. Like I do not know many farmers who really duck up. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And, and there's and so many of them, like, you know, I've thought that to myself too, like up in Canada and stuff, like, you know, like, they have the best stuff and they just could literally care less about chasing a duck. Yeah. I mean, you pull up to so-and-so farmer and like, you know, you've got, I don't know, 50, 60,000 mallards out there in your backyard. Like, Oh, do I? Yeah. Yeah. They could <laughs> yeah. care less, but they, they know, they know the location of every, uh, 150, 180, 210 inch whitetail. Though, yeah. I guarantee that, which is, which is funny because I say, I remember John Devney, Devney saying one time from death waterfowl that in the seventies and eighties, like, you know, like Saskatchewan and Manitoba would be second to killing mallards, to, um, only the state of Arkansas. That's how many, um, Canadians waterfowl hunted. So you don't hear about declining waterfowl hunter numbers. And it seems to have been, you know, like, you know, ours are, I guess, drastically getting lower, but like for whatever reason in um, Canada, I mean, it's, it's all but evaporated. So I don't know. It's just one of those deals. Like, you know, if something's not as much fun when it's just right there every day, you could, <laughs> I bet um, that's part of it. I bet yeah. it's a lot of it. I mean, People just kind of take it for granted, and, and once one generation quits doing it, I mean, it's not an easy yeah. sport just to start up on your own. So, <laughs> no, I can't, can't even imagine doing that. No, like, yeah. yeah, it's it's interesting. Um, we talked about like even the boat launches. Like we do get days, and how and the, that was one of the reasons why it was so good when you were here hunting is that there was no pressure, and we when it, it was. The place we hunted isn't a really well-known area. Miles away from there, there's a couple of places that are over, <laughs> overloaded with hunters. Mm-hmm. So that's the that's the one benefit. Um, but two hundred fifty dollars, yeah, like, and I'll give you guys Phil's um, pinpoints. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> there would be one less duck hunter in Kentucky <laughs> tomorrow yeah. if that happened. I promise you that. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. Uh, worry about that. Like say, I live by the the saying that loose lips sink ships. So. Oh mm-hmm. man, it happens. <laughs> I mean, I try to be, even be pretty careful on my Instagram page where I hunt. So, I, some if people really know, if people already know, they're gonna know where I am. People who don't know, won't know. There's, and and we hunt more than just in the state of South Dakota too. So that's one of the things oh, yeah. that I can get away with. But, um, yeah, we were like I was. I was thinking about how when when I traveled down south to hunt, I just think how different it is. Um, I went, I didn't go to Arkansas, or did I? I don't think I went to Arkansas this past season, but I went to southeast Missouri, and it's just so different. I mean, like everything that everything other than the big gigantic public type like draw type places or draw to hunt, mm-hmm. it's either that 
or it's Elise or something like that. And I'm just like, it's so different than what we have. And, you know, you've got, I mean, the, most people probably barely scout down there. I mean, we scout quite a bit. Um, nobody yeah, I mean, if, I mean, our scouting consists of going to look at our own stuff. Yeah, and hunting the day before. Probably. Yeah, or like, that, or, um, you know, and like I say, more so anything now, like, um, I've got a, me and, me and another guy in the club, we've got those phantom drones, you know, so like, you know, a few of our spots that we have, like, you know, we don't hunt them that don't get hunted every day. We'll just fly our drone out there and see if there's any ducks and <clears throat> see what's going on out there instead of, you know, used to, we used to have to drive out there and disturb them. Yeah. And kick them out, which, you know, yeah, that's, that's an issue with some of the places I hunt that just people scouting via boat is disturbing enough ducks i think that it's chasing them away and mm -hmm. pushes yeah. them a little further down the flyaway i think so yeah keep you know pushing what? them guy <laughs> yeah you know and even just like the way people hunt like want like the places that we hunt are so different too um i know it's been a big a, a huge thing um but like where i the place i hunted in southeast missouri i mean it was basically made as a duck hunting spot there was there was flooded corn in places, not not right where we hunted, but there was that stuff there. Mm -hmm. It was under so much water when we was there, it didn't matter, or it didn't matter. Um, but all the spots are flooded and controlled and everything, and it's just so weird. Like I, I can't think of a single place in the state of South Dakota that's like that. Um, yeah, like basically what you're saying is you, know, you can't think of a place in South Dakota. I mean, it, like a place that's specifically managed for waterfowl. We have pheasants like crazy. I mean, the whole entire state yeah. is is farmed for pheasants, but no one farms at all for waterfowl or sets up places for waterfowl. I mean, yeah, and here in the mid south, you got so many, you know, state and state and federal um, ground that's, um, you know, along the Mississippi River, like that is mainly just for. Yeah, I mean, there's other recreation on it, but I mean, there's so much they they do for just waterfowl. But then you got all the private clubs too. Oh my gosh, yeah. Uh, you it's know, and all these private, yeah, and all these private clubs now are like say I'm a member of a private club. Um, you know, like we work hard to to make our our the grounds that we hunt more attractive for waterfowl. Yeah. Um, it, it's you know, it's just not different. It's one of is there a lot of is there a lot of debate in the private clubs down there and how one club manages to the other one? Um, no, I mean, it, I, I think you know. Or is there an unwritten I'm, rule that a lot of you follow? Well, where I'm at, you know, we don't really have anybody else around us. Like, okay, um, but you know, I know like some clubs, like you know, um, I've been down to the Hados Marsh in Louisiana where they hunt. And, you know, they're surrounded by different people that lease for their club. And, like, I think it's like an un, it's kind of, I'm not going to say it's an unwritten rule. It's like, it's an agreement that they're all, all out of there by 10 o'clock in the morning. Okay. I would say the more um, of the, more of the, um, whatever, controversy doesn't come amongst local clubs. It comes against flyaway versus flyaway or, um, yeah, lati I would say, latitude yeah. versus latitude. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure if I'm right. which one is the yeah. south, but yeah, that thing, yeah, that's kind of like that's a, the more the biggest issue in all of that right now. Yeah, because um, you know a lot of the deep south, you know, like Louisiana, you know, the, the southern Texas area, not really so much. I don't think it's so much there, but 
you know, the Southern, you know, Louisiana, they just don't get the, they just don't get the ducks like they used to. And, and, um, you know, and a lot of people contribute, you know, not, a, I'm not gonna say a lot of people, you know, some of the, the locals from down in that area that, you know, their grandpa talks about the skies being black with ducks and, and all that, you know, they, you know, they're, they've convinced themselves that the, the end all be all is because of, um, flooded corn, you know, and Missouri, Illinois, you know, mainly Missouri, I think is what they, yeah, the they, um, yeah, but you know, I mean, does it change it? I mean, there, I mean, here's, here's, the, here's, I mean, you know, people have a, a hard time seeing like the, the, the bigger picture, like there is no way a man can re- replicate enough flooded corn to completely stop a migration. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You I know, think, it's like, I would say what they, they do is halt it. Maybe they might you know, post. They're going to, they're going to, they're going to, they're going to hold a lot of the, they're going to hold yeah. the birds a lot longer. And they postpone it. That yeah. I think is for sure. But the, but the thing is, but the, 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 the main, down. yes, but the number one contributor to all this is weather. Yeah. You know, if mm-hmm. when, when they get the weather and, 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 um, you know, they might hold them two days longer than they normally would, you know, just, just quantity I'm just saying, of ducks but, that might be there for a little bit. Yes, but once everything freezes up, they all head south. Then they move, right? That's the thing. So if there's a flooded corn spot, right? And let's say it ends up getting hunted, like the birds built up on it, and it wasn't hunted, and then it does get yeah. hunted, and and so they kick them all out of a popular yeah. flooded corn spot. You know, I I can only assume, like, or I, I should say, assume I kind of know the ducks just don't immediately go south then because they got shot out. They're gonna go east, west, north, whatever direction. Yeah, exactly. Like it's the weather is always the primary driver. Yes, the primary driver, and um, and like I say, and they're gonna go where there's food. Mm-hmm. You know, they're gonna go where there's food at. And like you say, I've I read so many of these studies by that you see on the on um you know, by these biologists and, you know, they're putting transmitters on these birds now. So, you know, they can see that. I think a lot of us used to think that once they went South, they stayed South and they never went back North, you know, where they've been tracking specks and snow geese and, and gray ducks and mallards and stuff that will go all the way to the coast. Then, then, uh, you know, come dick around for a couple Arkansas days. Yeah. Then yeah. they'll come back into Arkansas, West Kentucky, um, a speck, a speck went and stayed two or three days down in, the coast of Louisiana. Then a couple of days later, it was in um, it was in Princeton, Indiana. Wow! You know, like, I mean, it's mm-hmm. just we've just never been under uh, under ever ever able to understand the the magnitude of, of how you know. I, I think when yeah, exactly. It's like figuring out a woman. It's just not ever going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> yeah. Funny. So, um, but I, I there's just I mean, granted, I think that. You know, like the flooded corn and all that. Like, say it might, you know, it is what it is. Like, you know, it, it's going to help the hunting in a certain area. But as soon as you get the weather, you know, it doesn't matter. Yeah, they're going to get picked mm-hmm. out. fact is, the last two years, it's um, these last two duck seasons, we've had we've had so much water. I mean, so much. The rivers have been out of its banks for over two years had so much water from these ducks have been so spread out we've had absolutely no weather you know from like mid-november to through the end of duck season to push anything you know the only weather we've had would be to push what we've that has gone south back north you know so i mean it's the 
Yeah, I mean, it's not rocket scientists. You just have to look at the weather and everything that's going on and see, like, why our seasons has not been productive as they have, mm-hmm. you know, in the past. You know, like when, like I say, I mean, I count on almost two hands. It seems like how many sun, cold and sunny days I hunted in last year. I mean, the, the, the past two years, the norm has been fog, warm, rain, clouds, overcast, um, I, there's no telling how many days of, we went out thinking, you know, we're all high five and we get to the boat ramp because you're know, supposed to be sunny, you know, then stars will be out, get oh, out there as soon as time comes. Yep. Worst, Clouds are roll. Worst feeling ever. Ugh. Exactly. So, hey, let's, I don't know. It's just that weather <laughs> thing way- and that migration thing is something that, I mean, not that that many people are here, but if anyone is in the southern half of the country, and they, and you think that you know the northern states are holding all of these ducks, these thousands and thousands of ducks, and yeah, it's really not home. true. I mean, once we hit mid, no, once we hit early December, most of our ducks are gone. Uh, once we hit mid December, probably ninety percent of ninety five percent of the ducks are gone out of our state, and we have a few that linger around the random rivers and. You know, the little warm water ponds in town and that kind of stuff. But man, we just don't have, like, there just aren't these big quantities. There'll be a thousand here and a thousand there and maybe even 5,000 mm-hmm. in the spot. But by the time mid to late December rolls around, I mean, if you're a duck hunter, in there's, state, nothing, you're, there's nothing for them here. You're working on pretty limited numbers for the most part because things are cold and uh, it's mainly yeah. ice. And so there's not a big chunk of the population is not sitting here of the, of the flyway population is not sitting in these Northern states. Yeah. And you can just absolutely kind of trend that down as you go into, I mean, way more North or, you know, way more of a, of a trend that's going to be in North Dakota. And we're going to have a little, a few more ducks maybe in South Dakota and a few more in Nebraska. And you get to Kansas is where you start to see some linger a little more, but even then late in the year, there's not, I mean, I've been last year I was in Kansas in January and I mean, there were definitely ducks but it wasn't as if they were just on every little pond and there was open water and there just weren't ducks sitting around everywhere. Like you, you know, are led to believe maybe some. Yeah. Kinda... Follow the freeze, you know, like follow the freeze line is what yeah. I tell everybody. Yeah. They're going to be somewhat, <laughs> they'll be pushed up somewhat close to that usually. Exactly. You know, and mm-hmm. um, I always tell people that, you know, um, you know, I'm a weather nerd during, you know, pretty much year round, but especially during duck season, you mm-hmm. know, I start to, listen to a lot of the podcast you know weather podcast and stuff like that but also there's like three places like you know during hunting season that i look at the weather at every single day the first one's winnipeg you know the second one's grand forks north dakota then the third one's st louis you know i always want to know what the temperatures and, and the winds are you know in those areas well, you know because sure. that's that's going to tell me what um what what i need to know besides what our, our weather is here yeah. you know and and mm-hmm. you know, New Year's Day when I look at Grand Forks, you know, North Dakota, <laughs> and it, it's forty-two degrees and 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 sunny and and um, a low of thirty-three. You know, we're not going to have these big pushes of ducks. Like you know, it's it's just not going to happen. Yeah, they're done. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's 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 interesting to watch, and it's one of the kind of fun things I like about once you have like connections across the country, especially North to South, you hear 
you know, we'll have a huge storm and I'll, a buddy of mine who hunts Missouri, I'll be like, well, you guys better get ready because we just lost all of our ducks last night. Yeah. And then he might not get them that day, but the next day it's like, oh my God, here they are. Yeah, we're in them. Yeah. I think that's kind of interesting. Yeah, it is. And I say, I mean, we've all got friends like that. And, 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 you know, I mean, I'll text, you know, when I, if I look at the weather in Grand Forks and I say it's going to be 20 and blustery, you know, like the next thing I know, next thing I know to do is text Phil. I know you're for, further south than that, but like, wh- what is it you're seeing? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah cause we'll, like, see him. we'll see him the next yeah. morning. Yeah. Cause that's going to dictate what we see in the next two to three days. Yeah. Exactly. So, uh, but I'm ready. But to, if, I'm ready to have to worry about that kind of stuff again. Yeah. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> Where every day I'm checking the weather for the 10 day and you just see a little yeah. glimmer of hope on the eighth day, even though, you know, there's probably about a 5% chance of being right, but you see that North, Northwest wind and a low of 18 up above us at Devil's Lake. And I go, oh, please, please, please. And then by the time it gets here, you know, it's low of uh, 42 and high of 55. Yeah. And the other problem is you guys have gotten some some weather like that in these past couple of years. But the thing is, it's been stopping. You know, it might be. You know, in Sioux Falls, it might be twenty degrees, but in St. Louis, it's it's fifty. Yeah, so they're mm-hmm. not. It's 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 just they, you just like it's, they sit down, nice and comfortable, warm, and yeah. yeah so I don't know. Like I'm as shitty as twenty twenty's been in general. Like I'm just hoping that the duck season is will um, will make up for the rest of twenty oh twenty. Yeah. Let's hope if it does that, that'd be stellar. I'll be happy. Yeah, I'll, I'll be happy. I'll be, I'll be, I'll, Personally, if it compares to the last two duck seasons, I'll be happy. So, yeah, I know. Actually, you guys have had good ones. And I say, and I mean, I try not to complain. Or, I mean, even I mean, we've still had great hunts, and you know, and the this past season, I mean, the first couple of weeks, man, it was hammered down. We had all the weather we typically want in October to get all the birds down, and um, but you know, once um first couple of weeks of December was pretty good. I went to California and hunted a couple of days. And as soon as I got home, it's like, you know, the, just went to blowtorch weather and Ugh. fog rain. Court. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Fog rain. You uh, get the wind, the, blow so hard. the wind will either blow so hard. You can't keep your hat on or it doesn't blow at all. You know, that's just the worst thing to see in that weather yep. forecast is to look at that and just know, know what's going to, you know, what's coming. Even and it's nothing, but yet you still yep. want to hunt and you're gonna go, but you're like, ah, gonna go. Oh, man. And yeah. I I'll tell you, I mean, I will say these last couple of seasons, you know, they've they, they I think they've humbled a lot of us here in the mid south. Like oh my gosh, yeah. because uh, I mean there's you know, I mean I remember one day I come home and like you know, like on the fifth or sixth day of going, Katie's my wife's like I mean, she can tell when I walk in the door whether I've killed any ducks or not. Like, <laughs> I was just like, and she finally said, "Man, you might have to go up north to, to Phil's or somewhere because I can't live. I can't live with. I can't live with this." It wears on a guy. It does. It like, literally, and I tell you, and, wears and, on and I'm not. And I mean, I'm well beyond those years of it all being about the kill and all that. I mean, it's really not. But it's about like, the kill somewhat. Otherwise, you wouldn't is, go. But, Exactly, but to me, it's all about how the the process of killing them and it yeah. is killing them. The process, you know? the process of and killing them combined. When you have both of those, yes. no one that I know is going to 
ever say that their yeah. best duck hunting day was when they went out and did hunted the way they wanted and didn't kill any, even yeah, if their I best can. friends were with. But man, when it all comes together, those are the best days. Yeah, mm -hmm. I mean, I hunt with five or six of my very best friends every single morning, and I, you know, I love every one of them to death. And there's nothing I wouldn't do for any of them. But you're not like, sitting out there this morning doing it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. And, you know, the funny part is that's the, like, we're all best friends. We pretty much talk every day, like, but we really only see each other during duck season. Mm -hmm. But, uh, but we're going out there to hunt ducks. ducks. We're not going out yeah. there to hang out, we're not going out there breakfast to and watch the sunrise. Exactly. I mean, that's, that's part of it. So, you know, I, I think it's funny. How many of your, do you, there are all of your friends duck hunting friends pretty much honestly like in my life like yes like i'm the same like you know i mean i met my wife through you know uh members of the duck club like <laughs> like uh, on a blind date it's like you know we didn't i didn't grow up knowing my wife like but if i if if it were not for mallards if it were not for mallards and things surrounding ducks mm -hmm. like I mean, I would have no friends other than people I work with. I'm the same. Every, every, yeah. everybody I hang out with or talk to on a consistent basis is of ducks. a duck hunter. Or mm -hmm. maybe not just a duck hunter, but some form of hunter, but almost 90%, of, 95% of them are duck hunters. And I don't have that many mm -hmm. friends that I talk to about. So. Yeah. And like, I'm a, I'm kind of a hermit anyway. He's like, a, um, but, and, you know, but the thing is, I don't want a million friends. Like, but like I say all the ones that I do have, like, I mean, it's all around, you know, the, it pretty much centers around ducks, <laughs> even racing friends. You know, I'm, I mean, I'm big in the dirt track racing, sprint cars and late models, but all of them that I know through that, they're all hunters too. <laughs> well, that's what I, you know, I, it's funny when you say that. Cause I think of, you see those memes on like Facebook and it'll be someone saying, Oh, I went, we, there'll be like some guy sitting in the corner looking like Al Pouty, and then the the saying will be um, me when I go to a party and nobody wants to talk about duck hunting. Like that is yeah. me. Like I mean, yeah, I can go to a get together and talk about other things, but man, I'm a lot happier when I'm talking to someone about duck hunting or duck calls or my boat or who knows what you know. That, yeah, that exactly. Stuff. So yeah, it kind of yeah brings up you know like the like what like how all encompassing duck hunting is into a guy's lifestyle and there's a there's people that are ca super casual about it and they're probably not the ones listening to this podcast um to a duck yeah hunt, and there's probably and, podcast. And, and there's nothing wrong with that you know no it's fine very I mean, well I'm, I'm that way with a lot of things yeah. exactly of that go to you know that might hunt two or three times a year and yeah. if they don't go for another two years that's fine but, but there's um, if you're a duck hunter, it is like and that's your thing. That yeah. that guy is like everything everything about that dude is similar to one of us that's listening to this podcast in many ways. I mean, we might have differences in some stuff, but we're all the guy yeah. that's hundred percent thinking about it. And can you brought that up as a as something we could discuss and I started thinking about all the different things that identify a guy's duck hunter I'm like god there's so many things that people do to duck hunt and it's kind of yeah. crazy 
I mean, for the for those that are that take it serious, like I mean, it's 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 a lifestyle. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, like literally, like I mean, I do enjoy watching racing and stuff like that, like in some college football, but like, but everything that I really do is is, you know, I mean, I live and breathe and think about duck hunting. 24 seven. And I mean, and when I, it, it could either be duck hunting, like say, if it's not duck hunting, then it's collecting. Yeah. Um, which is duck hunting essentially. And which, is, which is duck hunting. I mean, it yeah. just, it keeps me, I mean, it involved it, in it. You're it immersed. In immersed it. You're immersed. In immersed in it. it, you know, and like I say, but all my friends, that's how I know. I mean, every friend that I have, like that I consider good friends or, um, how many, yeah. how many so, people do you know? that have adjusted a job or looked for a job or a career path that allows them to watch NFL versus yeah, how many exactly. you know mm-hmm. that have a lot, their jobs have allowed them to duck hunt 60 days straight in a season or even 40 days and whatever, you know, something where I've never, really, that's funny. I've never really looked at it like that. Yeah. <laughs> nobody does that. No, nobody's taken enough time to watch a football game, but, everybody saves their vacation up for fall or makes a huge life exactly. choice or has a, but I will, a girl, that, yeah. a wife that's cool with it or whatever. Exactly. And I will say that, you know, if you live in the mid South, like the, one of the most perfect jobs to have to be a duck hunter is to be a school teacher. That's what I am. And, you know, we get a week off of Thanksgiving, like two to three weeks off at Christmas. And in January, when the weather is the worst, when the hunting's the best, you know, I mean, we're going to be out for, you know, weather. Yeah. So yeah. don't you drive know, to I, school, I, but let me pull my duck boat to the boat launch and go down the river. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, so it's like one of those, the, the, the worse the weather is, 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 is the better for hunting and, and, and we're not going to have school. So, I mean, it's a really a perfect, now I don't know if how good it would be for, you know, living in the Northern States and, you know, come Christmas break and most people's seasons are already out. Yeah, you're so done most of the time. No. <laughs> no. But as far as the, mid, dudes, the deep south, you know, it, it's, 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 it's perfect. The dudes who do it hardcore up here, um, you'll see a lot of like concrete worker construction, yeah. construction, lawn care, uh, things like that, yeah. where it's that seasonal and, you know, it might end in October and the guys can hunt mm-hmm. all November and December that they want. So and there's people that, I, mean, I know a fair amount of guys who do that people who used to guide that did that. No, you know, I've I've heard a saying that always makes me smile a little bit. I've said it, and I know other friends of mine that I hunt with have. Yeah, it doesn't pay as good, but it allows me to duck hunt in October, and November. So, oh yeah, I mean, my mm-hmm. current job now. I mean, I I make less than I did before, but I get to hunt more, and I almost have to hunt more because I got to take photos and do that kind of stuff. And that trade off is well worth it for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Rather... and it just all depends what you i mean for me personally like i mean i'm not a highfalutin person um i mean i'm a school teacher my wife's a school teacher um you know i don't desire to be that corporate guy that that no. that makes a quarter million dollars a year and, and yeah. travels all the time and you know i mean uh, you know if if i was offered that job tomorrow i mean i'm out well, you could take it you for know. a couple of years and then you allow you to duck on a lot more in the future years. <laughs> yeah, but I'm not taking two years off. <laughs> I know. To do it. I, know. I, know. I, mean, I couldn't fathom you know, giving up me. a year to hunt. Oh my God. Yeah. I mean, I'm completely content. I mean, I usually get to hunt between 
you know, 45, 50 days a year between, I mean, a lot of that's going to Canada too. And yeah, it's still a lot. Sneaking, days, and, yeah. And mm-hmm. sneaking in stuff before our season starts, but, um, you know, but these guys that say, well, I hunt a hundred and hundred, 150 days a year, like <laughs> whatever. I mean, you know, it, but I will say, I mean, I figure I hunt a bunch, but you know, but when our duck season's over, I'm, I'm done. Like I really, I'm, I'm done, you know, get all of our gear put up, you know, but these guys that, that go out to do this snow goose thing. I mean, I've got, I give them all the credit in the world. Cause it's not for me. Uh, no, <laughs> I I'm not even going to get into that right now. Cause I'm so, yeah. I'm so not even thinking of snow goose hunting and never am. But, yeah. No. But, if it, but I just can't imagine like laying down a solid, you know, even if duck season's only 60 days, it's really 120 days because you've got, well, where we're at, it's 60 days. I mean, I know it's different than all other parts of the country, but, yeah. you know, but, but it's, you can add 60 on top of that because you're, you're, you're doing all the pre-planning stuff going into it. It's like, you know, then, but once um, the last Sunday in January gets here, I mean, I'm ready to get my gear up and, you know, these guys are preparing for another 60 days of Trump through mud and all that. And I'm just like, y'all. Yeah, it's just too um, much. Just too, it's just flat out too much. Yeah, I mean, I'm not that mad at them. No, <laughs> I used to be. I used to be, but now I'm happy when. Yeah, I'm okay when duck season's done and take the month of February off, and then I got uh, yeah. I got pictures coming up in March, April, and turkey season in April, May, and yeah. roll back around into this stuff, and yeah, that's uh, it's just oof, it's just brutal, you know. Mm-hmm. And so, like, I was thinking, what are some of the other things that like your buddies that are you know big duck hunters do that kind of like that keep them involved in the duck hunting you know the lifestyle you know for like myself well, for myself it's photography in the spring um duck con i mean i i can't even really say duck and goose con anymore because i don't do it in the off season like i used to um yeah but it, i did for 20 years or 15 years or whatever whereas every day i had a duck call on me well, as far as the guys that I hunt with day in and day out, um, well, most of them probably have twenty duck calls in their hands every day. You know, I mean, like like Kelly Powers, he owns Kyle, Final Flight, yeah. and, and works for Higdon, and Kyle Jones works for Higdon yep. himself. Um, then they, our other crew in our blind, you know, like Andrew, he's an insurance agent. You know, so I mean, he's got he's built his business up. You know, um, he's worked really, and I'll, I'll give that boy credit. I mean, he's taken. He's hunted a lot the last 10 years or so, but he's he's not hunted as much as he'd like to because he's wanted to get to this point where he can put himself in a position where he can go more. So, I mean, he's worked his butt off. Um, then, you know, a couple other guys like Jay, he's an accountant, you know, and, and is uh, higher up in his firm. You, he can take more time off. And, and um, like I say, another guy, David, you know, he works for the um, – local newspaper and he pretty much saves all his time and you know he's been there shit 50 years so you know a lot of times he'll go in after you know if he hunts in the morning he'll i guess more so salary or whatever i think his job you know i'm not 100 sure but i think his job is just whether he gets it done or not so you know he might um, work till till nine o'clock yeah exactly and i don't think the hours that he hunts is you know um is is all that big a deal then but like i said then you know and dustin gibbs another one hunts with us day in day out i mean he's he's a he's a um he works for one of those buying groups or oh, he's a salesman yeah. for those buying groups in the outdoors so i mean he's 
He's in it. Um, you know, so he's in it. But I'll tell you, the one that gets to hunt the least out of all of us, unfortunately, is probably Kyle. You know, the work Kyle Jones works for Higdon. I mean, because he's got a yeah, you're um, busy during that time. I mean, that's their busiest time, and yeah. you know, that's um. So I mean, so the guys that think that you know, working in the waterfowl industry, you get all this extra time off to hunt. I mean, it's really not the case. It's really. Yeah, mm-hmm. like, I would. I will advise out of personal experience if you want to hunt a lot do not go work retail <laughs> you, even in the hunting job you will not get to hunt very much yeah. um, especially yeah. if you're down south when november hits and that's the that's the start of your season because then you got thanksgiving and black friday and christmas season right mm-hmm. then uh, i got i was at least lucky enough to go hunt the first part of the season up here before things got crazy yeah the cabellos and yeah, it's not. A, it's yeah, not a good I choice. couldn't imagine. Actually, I couldn't imagine that our season comes in. You know, where I'm at in Kentucky. Well, I mean, we're just right across the line from Tennessee. But you know, the opening days are. You know, they're they don't 100 align with Tennessee. You know, so Kentucky will come in on Thursday and Friday, where Tennessee doesn't come in until Saturday and Sunday. But, um, but I just can't imagine like that Friday after Thanksgiving. That'd be the second day of our season. Uh, like. Yeah, not there was, there being no, able you're not getting off that yeah exactly not being able to hunt that i mean there's no i mean i'd i you know i couldn't do that two seasons ago when i wasn't at cabela's for the first time i didn't it was so awesome to be so disconnected from that that i remember yeah. i didn't even think of it being black friday until i was out hunting and i i think i took a picture and put it on instagram and be like yeah because I, I was with you on that black friday yeah mm-hmm. that was it yeah. Like the best yeah. Black Friday ever. Yeah, that yeah. was it. Yeah, I was like, oh, yeah. it was so good. Yeah, and so to not be in that but, world. But I could probably find a job to make a whole lot more money. But I could tell you, I couldn't find a job to be a whole lot more, where I could have as much fun as I do. So no, no, that there's a lot of value in that. Yeah, um, you know. You know you're an avid duck hunter too when you're not hunting, like whether it be your job or something else, and you almost have like a, um, I don't know what the word is for the feeling, but like a fear and a nervousness, you know, like a pit in your stomach when, especially when it's good, when you know it could be good and you're not out there. That's when you oh, know. Oh my god, that's the, that's the worst feeling ever. Mm-hmm. You were saying how like you know you oh I I love it when other people have good hunts. I'm the first to say I hate it. <laughs> I hate it. Yeah, I'm happy they do, but my God, I hate it sitting there, sitting somewhere when your buddies are hunting and you're not. It is like there might not yeah. be a worse feeling than that. And that's where it goes into the job thing. I think that's where money, at least for me, we all got to make it right, and we got to find that balance of of making mm-hmm. enough and and that stuff. But in in my pendulum balance, I mean, hunting hunting is a heavy weight. That's for sure. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I'll tell you that. I mean, I'll tell you how much it kills me. Like, um, this past year, I mean, I took, you know, one of the places I got all depends on what the rivers, the main place I like to hunt all depends what the, the, you know, I mean, there is no artificially flooded. It's just what, you know, it all depends on the river stages. So, you know, so, I mean, uh, I was going to go, um, you know, I'd plan to go out to California mid December and hunt some and, you know, and many years if I had to plan that, you know, like if I had to plan that, there would have been that we wouldn't have had a um, water to hunt where I prefer to hunt. But as soon as I plan that, like 
you know, so in the guys just rode my ass the entire time that I was gone, <laughs> you know, like, you know, being out there with all the yuppies hunting and the, the yuppie clubs and, and like in the best and like, you know, there's five or six of us that we had a group text that from where our main spot is like, I mean, and the spot that we hunt at is, I mean, that's our baby. And, you know, when it duck season comes, like, you know, we just don't leave it. You know, I mean, I could get invites to go other places like, but once our season starts, you know, it's just, that's, that's just our spot. You know, it's hard mm -hmm. to leave. So, you know, like, um, they was giving me crap last year, you know, I, 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 I was kind of like the, the, the six blue angel that, that left his group, you know, you just don't do that, you know? So the whole time I was out there, you know, I mean, I was just, the hunt was really good here and I'm getting texts, you know, they go down and sit in my shooting hole, you know, because we have our own designated shooting holes. They go down and I always hunt the far left side. So they go down there and they're filming, you know, like, Oh, Hey, look, let's, we're done here. So let's just stand here and graze this hole and, 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 and film what's, Oh and film his, film his limit. I mean, I'm telling you, I mean, it was brutal. I mean, the hunting out in California was phenomenal, but it's like, you know, there is no place like home. Yeah. There's just something mm -hmm. about it. Yeah. You know how it works. You know how it goes. Mm -hmm. Yep. So, oh, uh, man. Well, we only have, what is, is it, June 6th? I have, <laughs> I have July, July 6th. 6th. I mean, I have less than three months I'll be duck hunting their own home. Two That's months, crazy. a little over two months, I'll be all counting. So I'm, I'm ready for all that to start. Um, mm -hmm. It won't really be. And that That's crazy to think about. It. Like yeah. it's, just, it's not far. It's really not. It's not. You two, know, and um, two months actually, Bill. I hope to be shooting some geese at your place. Yeah, yeah, we should be. We should That's be. That's kind of what I want to do in two months. Mm -hmm. before, before. Yeah, and normally I always kick. You know, we have a wood duck and teal season in September. Sometimes we do it, sometimes we don't. Um, we have the September goose season, which is nothing like y'all's. It's just like it's good, but you know, we normally kick it off by going to Canada every first of October every year. And like, I don't know if that's going to happen this year. You know, if mm -hmm. I had to guess, I'd say probably not. Yeah, unlikely so, by the looks of it. Yeah. yeah, pretty much. Pretty much, That's really pretty much they've shut us down. I think at this point, from coming in. Which country. we we kind of touched on this before, but do you guys think that's going to have an impact on the uh, twenty twenty waterfowl season? I would. It's it's hard to it's hard to say that it won't. You know, <laughs> I don't think that the I don't think that local stuff it won't matter. I think with traveling within the states, I think that'll be fine. But um, as we no, yeah, I'm talking about Canada. Yeah, I mean, we alluded to the, in our, our I would have to think 95% of the waterfall hunting pressure in Canada is from Americans. Oh, I would say it's probably 99% of it. Yeah, yeah, you're probably right. So it'll be yeah. so it'll be a different scenario for those ducks to get pushed out. Yeah. And those be sitting the up there fat. Happy. Up there, there's a lot of them. They're Amer American clients, American owned. I mean yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Is, are they gonna hang up up there longer? You know, again, we talked about. I don't think they have. We the know option. they're going I don't think they have that option up there, though. You know, right? I mean, because for sure the weather's coming in Canada. Yeah. Like, yeah. and for sure, you know, I'm sure that some portion of those ducks or geese get pushed out of areas due to local pressure. And they just get kind of bounced down the flyway a little bit. Mm -hmm. But I just they're gonna get cold weather in October, early November. I mean. You're not going to go to 
Saskatchewan on Thanksgiving generally and have open water. I mean, that just isn't going to happen. Yeah. So they're going to get no, pushed but I, out. Yeah. But it, but it will, I bet, affect the timing a little bit, and maybe some of those yeah. some some birds that that get pushed down. So it'll be a little different. Yeah. And whether it's true or not, guarantee it. You know the, you know you've always got your black helicopter conspiracy theorists. Oh that, my god. You, you know, since if Americans aren't allowed up there this year, then by God, it's going to be the best duck season anybody's <laughs> ever had down here. So you know, let's look at. What oh, we can yeah, do to, stopping it up there then yeah so i you know there's but It'll i was and it, it's gonna be elbows to assholes yeah like, that's that's where i was going <laughs> yeah that's you know that's where i was going they're thing. gonna go from no pressure to these birds are gonna get met with you know if it's anything like my turkey season was this year with excessive pressure yeah. well i think what's gonna happen is those and, and I've seen this on, on Facebook since we talked just the other day and we didn't record the podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, I've seen even a lot more questions of people asking about the North Dakota and asking about other places mm-hmm. and other places mm-hmm. where to take trips to since they're not going to Canada. Should I take a trip later? So I think people are looking, they're going to spend that money and they're going to use that time. Mm-hmm. And it might not mm-hmm. be in September. It might Maybe they'll maybe do it in November or December or January. But those that pressure will get spread out and I'm sure not all of it, but some of it. So it'll be, well, I'll it, tell you, I mean, myself, you know, I mean, I have the, whatever, like the first full week of October off and that's from school. That's when we always, you know, myself and, and I'm sure other guys will be too. I mean, I'm going to be looking for somewhere to go. Yeah. <laughs> there's no, there's no question that um, people will, will re kind of re reconfigure how they're going to, going to spend that and those ducks will get hunted somewhere um i've all i know is i've been thinking in my head that i'm really glad that i do not live in north dakota because that that place is going to get bombarded i suspect with out-of-state hunters all through probably the early goose season in september <laughs> and October. yeah and a lot They're of being an outdoorsman isn't it weird like we love it piss pounded yeah because mm. i'll say this here in kentucky like um during turkey season like you know west kentucky is is there's so many turkeys here and, and they cut off um out-of-state hunters coming in during turkey season well that was glorious for the guys living there i'm sure yeah i mean it's amazing. exactly yeah but like i say that you know there was um you couldn't even purchase an, an out-of-state um out-of-state license so yeah north dakota will sell licenses to whoever wants them oh so yeah they're they gonna, will they're gonna be busy so, yeah. so I would, distancing I would is say not if hard you're in North planning Dakota. on going to North yeah. Dakota, I would consider a time other than October. I know that because <laughs> yeah. it's going to be a mess. I'd have to think, but mm-hmm. oh yeah. man, I know I I would I would dread right now if I lived north of the South Dakota border. I would just be dreading my yeah. season this year because you know it's going to be mm-hmm. a, a joke. So, yeah. but you know it's part of the deal. So. Um, I don't you know, know. Let's uh, let's maybe roll into kind of start start winding it down here. But before we do that, we kind of were talking and we do a thing that maybe is not weekly because we probably won't do episodes every week, but um, do it episode episodically. Um, that, <laughs> is that I, a word? I don't know. If not, I just made it up. I yeah, like yeah it. I've I kinda, never heard of it. I kind of like it. Um have a little thing where we're just going to call it uh things duck hunters say 
and basically things that each one of us, maybe if we have time, all three of us will chime in something that duck hunters say that we think is funny and we'll just give our own little commentary on, on what we think about it. Um, so I don't, Bill, if you want to go first, if you got something. Oh man, I wrote down a bunch of them. I even made my list called Phil's myths or funny things duck hunters say. <laughs> I've got a good list too, so I can't wait. Do you want me to roll through a whole list or just no, pick no, one? No, no, just do one. We're just going to do one, each one, one one every time, and then we'll just keep this going as long as we until we run out. Uh, okay. And seeing as this is our first one, I'm just trying to figure out the rules on this thing a little bit. Should I say it almost in the tone of someone saying it to me? Well, you have yeah, to. That's the only way. Okay, okay. And, and, I if, figure and Ryan... if there's an accent appropriate, then you should impart <laughs> that as well, please. Uh, I like I say I wrote down a lot of them, but I'll just pick one, just wherever my pencil lands here. Um, so I've spent a lot of time hunting in uh, Canada, uh, northern Alberta in particular. So of course I like to share those stories with hunting groups that I sit with, and I always hear it from one guy in the boat or in the pit or wherever I am. Like, oh, Canada, huh? those birds are easy. <laughs> 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 and the reason why I have beef with that is because they're the same freaking birds. They're the same ones. And then, and then, or else, uh, oh, Canada. Yeah, that's where all the dumb birds are. Yeah. They got that's... P-sized brains. <clears throat> that was going to be one of my big, big bangs one of these times. I love that one. Yeah. Um, and I'll give my, I just, I did my, and, 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 my one and you say, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, and like, I hate that, like that they're easier, they're dumb. Right. And, and, and the reason why I have such beef with that is because they're the same birds, right? They, there's a lack of pressure, right. You know, but they're not, they're not easier, you know, yeah. they're not they're uh, It's just, it's all pressure based, you yeah, know? So pressure, it's, it's my, yeah. my take on it is it's pressure and time. The time that they've spent yeah. yep. in an area, if they've been, Mm-hmm. If they, I mean, say a bird, say you're in November 1st and the, and you're still in Canada. Well, it doesn't mm-hmm. I mean that bird is going to be just as smart as any other bird November 1st anywhere else. And yeah. I don't even think that the time, the length of the season matters as much as the duration they've spent in an area. Because, Absolutely. because when yep. Ryan, you're down the flyaway quite a ways. When you get new birds, they are dumb as can be for how many days do you get probably get three four good days out of them and until it warms up yeah and and then, and then, and those, and then it's then it's done yeah. then those birds are in a routine yeah. and then they're tough yeah and we're it's the same. it just depends on what the weather pattern is when the weather pattern stop when when the active weather pattern goes stalls then then do they get smarter yeah well they <laughs> just know, know. they know the that's the that's when they're not as yeah yeah and they're not, and they're not stressed, and they're not vulnerable, and they're mm-hmm. not, and they know the places are safe. Like the bird itself isn't as smarter because they get dumb again the minute that they pick up and fly. I mean, they're dumb. They're, yeah. they're dumb to a new area. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I've heard all. I've heard it all. That, oh, well, we're, up, we're in South Dakota, and they're all dumb. Well, yeah, when they just show up here, they're dumb. But you know, after they've been here for right. four days. They're pretty smart yeah. again. Okay. And that's and, and that's and sometimes you say four days. Sometimes it's like two days, even one day. And yeah. and that's it. That's all they give you, you know. And you know, some of my best hunts in my life were definitely up in Canada, but man, I've had I had a lot of really hard, frustrating ones up there too. Oh yeah. yeah. It's and they're different. Oh, and the, the t- so one thing I'll say about this that people do not know if you don't live in north, like where birds are born. 
is if you're hunting a cornfield with spinners, it's probably this is not relevant. But if you're hunting a pond and you're not literally exactly where those ducks want to be, hunting ducks, mallards, especially in October, isn't the same as hunting them in November because they, they do not respond to duck call like they do. No, no. It's just a different thing. Like you need to be where they want to be. Mm-hmm. So, so I, that is my take on the north-south smartness of ducks. I don't think. I mean, I'm sure there's some little difference as they move down, but it's not dramatic. Because one day, the ducks that were in South Dakota on Thursday that were stupid, all of a sudden they show up in Missouri on Friday. They're smart. I'm like, "Mm, no, no, that's Mm -hmm. not that's not the case. It's just all weather. So all, but it's it's if they're in survival mode or if they're in beach mode. Yeah, yeah, survival mode and and their duration in that spot. I'll give those two things are the the key. Absolutely. Okay, Ryan, throw yours out there. Oh, man. I thought about this a little. Oh, one of the things that, like, you know, it, it really grinds my gears when I hear people say it is when people ask if you've killed any Canadians. No, I haven't. You know, actually, no, I haven't. I've been in, but I've killed, I've, you know, I, we had a good shoot on some Canada's, but, you know, the Canadians, <laughs> you know, you know, like, you know, get a little bit of trouble. And, you know, the funny part about that is like we was talking about Alt earlier, but like, you know, when Alt originally designed the old 850 flute, A50, yeah, the oh, A50 yeah. flute. In the fifties, if you if you look, yeah, that's what grounds yep. If you look at it, it says Canadian goose call. Oh my god! Illinois goose call. Yeah, Illinois goose call. Yeah, so I mean that's like the the one I always. I'm a little. Them. I'm not. I'm not as hardcore set on worried about that one because I always say this when people know what you mean. You know what people mean when they say it. But I do, I do like, I still seem yeah. like I do like to razz them a little bit about it. If I yeah, say. he's like, no, I, you know, I haven't killed any Canadians. Yeah, I won't, I won't go crazy. Might be over frowned it. upon. I yeah. won't go crazy over it, but I do, I do see the humor in it too. So yeah. All right, so I got mine. I have, I got a pretty good list of them here. Um, and 15 years of retail has provided me with quite, a, quite a good list <laughs> of these. Um. But this one isn't even one. Well, yeah, I heard it at work, but I also heard it. I've heard it from hunters all the time. One of my favorite things is when you ask another hunter, "Oh, how'd it go today?" I'm like, "Oh man, it sucked. It was just too windy for him to get down into the decoys." And I was like, <laughs> <laughs> "Like, so you mean to tell me on this day that it was windy, like those ducks just flew around all they, day long?" They didn't- yeah, they didn't sit anywhere the whole day. No, the whole day they just flew. They never could yeah. get down to the water at all. Couldn't or, I might, or under, I might understand that if it's snow geese because that seems like that's all they do is fly. Around yeah, that's all they do is fly around yeah. all day. Yeah, I, I mean, and I will give people who say this a little bit. Like, if it's crazy wind, they can get in and out really quick, and they have a little yeah. more time to look. But it's not like they couldn't land in the wind. I mean. Mm-hmm. Literally, they do. So I, that was one that just makes me crack up every time I hear. It. I'm like, oh yeah, 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 sure. They just could not get down in there. <laughs> yeah, that's. And instead, yeah, I mean, it, I've had some of my best days on those crazy wind days like that. So you just got to yeah. if you're if you're yeah, hidden hid well, if you're yeah. hidden well, that is not an issue. If you're not you hidden well, make your, then you're screwed. Yeah, you better make your first shot count. Oh yeah, if you get one, yeah. 
Yeah, make exactly. Your first one at forty because they're going to be at seventy real soon. Yeah. So. Well, and that's why I love your boat, Phil, so much. Are those windy days? Because I don't know when you started doing that. Maybe you always have. I'm not sure. But several years ago, when I was hunting with you, you and I were um, shooting like we had our gun prop like a rifle, mm-hmm. right? Just the gun sticking out, and we stayed sitting. Oh yeah. And uh, uh, this was a super, super windy yeah, day. It was an outstanding day, hunt. It was crazy windy. Mm-hmm. But we stayed sitting, and yeah. and and it wasn't. Uh, we we stopped calling the shot. It was just the shooter or shooters. Boom, boom. Just yep, yep, yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was that's a big difference on there. Not giving them that little bit of a head start to see it mm-hmm. coming up because the lighting wasn't perfect that day. We were well, we were okay hidden, but mm-hmm. yeah, letting them come in and kind of getting that sneak attack on them yep. rather than them seeing you coming up, but letting, letting the, the warning be the shot rather than mm-hmm. come and standing up. Is it, I mean, that half a second difference is big, big. So absolutely part of why I like just a style bolt blind like that, where you don't have ratcheting things that fly open and all that kind of stuff. Cause it makes a big difference. Right. But, right. Yeah. Cool, man. Well, I'm getting hungry. I got some. Yeah, I think I got an elk steak calling my name here. So yeah. Oh, you didn't finish that up yet, huh? Oh, I got like I have a lot of elk left. Okay. And I, cause I oh. have elk and steak and ducks and turkey and fish. So I've got. Mm. Trying to, you can only eat the elk for so long before you kind of got to delve into the other stuff too. So yeah, oh, so man, that's, that's our delicacy in the duck bond is Kyle makes elk burgers. You know, like, I've seen. Oh my god, some of those look oh. so good. Oh, this bacon double cheese or bacon double. Yeah, I saw those burgers. on Instagram. Oh. oh my god, those look good. I'm gonna. Come that's on. one thing I'm gonna bring is I'm gonna bring burger meat from now on and do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh absolutely. yeah, in your boat that'd yeah. be perfect. That'd be freaking money. That'd be sweet. Mm-hmm. I mean, cause yeah, I, sometimes you just get sick of eggs and bacon. I mean, not yeah. a lot, well, but not, a little yeah. break from there would be yeah. nice. I was trying to think of the last time I got tired of eggs and bacon, but I haven't really, I don't guess I ever yeah, had. That, that was an exaggeration. <laughs> I, I, I will take that back. That yeah. hurt my soul to say that actually. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah. Eggs and bacon. I didn't mean it. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Yeah. All right. So, well, um, let's uh, reconvene here in a week or two and we will do this again. And thanks everybody for listening to us and we will catch y'all soon. All right, right guys. All right. Yeah. Catch you guys later.